0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: I woke up from bright light shining directly into my eyes. So many thoughts were running through my mind. Why is this couch wet? Whose couch is this? Where am I? I threw my jacket on and found my way to the front door. But before I left, I took a peek in the mirror. My face was covered in lipstick stains and my arms were covered in phone numbers. God, I love my life. If you enjoy this story, remember to hit those like and subscribe buttons below, we appreciate it. My older brother was my hero growing up. He was in high school when I was in elementary, so of course I idolized him. Nothing made me happier back then than going to family reunions and having everyone tell me I'd be just like my brother when I grew up. I started studying everything my brother did with girls. My mom didn't really like it, but she was busy babysitting the neighbor's kid who was obsessed with her because she didn't have a mom. I was so focused on the theory of it all when I was a kid that I never put anything into practice. So in high school, whenever a girl talked to me, I turned bright red and couldn't look her in the eyes. The summer between high school and college is when things got good. I finally learned how to talk to girls. My brother was at a different stage in life by then, but he still visited sometimes.
1: I don't get it. Why didn't you just practice with a neighbor?
2: He asked, sprawled on his old bed while I tried on some of his old jackets. I can't stand Annika. The thought of her makes me want to puke, I said. The door that was only slightly closed shut all the way forcefully. Damn it, was that her? I asked my brother.
1: I hope not. Mom will kick your butt if you hurt her,
2: said my brother. I shrugged it off. I basically became my brother. I learned his walk, this confident walk that had every girl turning to look at me as I moved into my dorm. I knew how to look effortlessly attractive, and I ended the day with dozens of numbers. I spent the first weeks as a bit of a loner. One day after class, I was swarmed by a group of guys. How do you do it? One of them asked with this hilarious, desperate look in his eyes. How do I do what? I chuckled. How do you get all these girls? Another guy asked. I threw my arms over his shoulders and said, Out of the kindness of my heart, I'll help you, hopeless bunch. I became their mentor. My room was the place to be if you had a date coming up. I'd tell guys what to wear, what to say, where to go, and what to do. The main thing I had to give these guys advice on was kissing. It was tough to explain, but an ex of mine that I was friends with didn't mind helping me demonstrate. It was a bit awkward for me to give them lessons on kissing, but they seemed to be working, and suddenly I had more pupils. Sometimes they'd fight at my door over who would be the one to knock. Sometimes the routine got a bit boring, but I also didn't want it to change. The day I noticed something changed, I was getting a cup of coffee near campus. I flirted with the barista, but she was cold. As I was leaving, I smiled at this cute girl, but she didn't smile back. Instead, she rolled her eyes. It was like that as I walked to class, too. I'd look at girls or smile at them or even say hi. Girls that I had talked to before and that had always flirted back. But they all ignored me or whispered something to their friends. I started walking faster when they stopped ignoring me and started shooting angry looks in my direction. When I got to my dorm, my friends were waiting for me.
1: Max, you gotta see this!
2: One of them said, they turned a laptop towards me and showed me a video. It was a girl, from the neck down, sitting on a bed in a dorm room surrounded by other girls.
0: You guys are too good, too smart for cheat tricks. None of it's real. He's playing you,
2: she said. My face went pale. They asked me if I knew who that girl was. Maybe an ex, I said. Not gonna lie, I was getting a bit dizzy. My life was crumbling around me. I stayed in bed until the guys barged into my room that night i don't feel like going out i muttered she's live streaming i heard before a laptop plopped down in front of me that same girl was sitting outdoors on a bench in front of a tree surrounded by like 50 girls listening to her it took me a second but then i recognized that tree it was on my campus i ran out the door immediately i knew exactly where to go i didn't make much noise when i walked up to the group of girls i stood at the back and lifted my hand after a while to ask a question hiding everything but my hand.
0: Yes, you at the back,
2: said the strangely familiar voice. It was then when I stood up and saw her face. Annika, I exclaimed. My annoying old neighbor, the girl who was always clinging to my mom, the weirdo with the pigtails, was now sitting here trying to ruin my life.
0: Good to see you too, Max,
2: Annika said. As soon as she said my name, every girl in the audience turned to look at me. Have you ever had 50 pairs of eyes stare daggers into you? I have. I hope you never do. Later, I waited for her at the dorm. What's your problem, Annika? I crossed my arms and covered her door.
0: Get out of my face,
2: she said, crossing her arms too. Neither of us was going to budge. I asked her why she was doing this, and she said she was sick of seeing girls everywhere fawning over what she knew was an act.
0: You're just a shy little boy trying too hard to be like your brother,
2: she said. Ouch. I'm guessing you think you're above all these girls? Out of my league? I asked, trying to hide that she got to me. So I could never make you fall for me? Even if I tried? I asked her slyly, moving closer to her.
0: Never in a million years,
2: she replied, smirking. Our noses almost touched. All right, I said, backing up. I'm gonna have to prove you wrong. With that, I walked back to my dorm, brainstorming my master plan. She knew my brother's MO, so I needed to rebrand. When she arrived at her dorm the next day, she found me leaning on the door. I was holding a teddy bear and a DVD of the movie that I remembered being her favorite when we were kids. Let's watch it together, I said in my most flirtatious voice.
0: Nuh-uh, I don't want you in my room, let alone in my bed,
2: she said. She took the DVD and the teddy bear and threw them on her bed before shutting the door and pulling me by the sleeve out of the building. Where are we going? I asked. To a party, she replied. Minutes later, we were in a house booming with people and music. Annika sat on a couch while I went to get drinks. I must have been gone for like two minutes, but Annika was now busy sitting between two guys telling them some story. They were both inching closer to her, pretending to be engrossed in the story, when they were really engrossed in her. I shooed the two guys away. Every time I took her out after that, she would flirt with someone when I took my eyes off her. At the bowling alley, she flirted with the guy at the food stand. When I took her to a music festival, she gave three singers and two bass players her number. At the beach, I went to get some food and found her playing volleyball with a massive group of guys. It was like she was telling me that she would rather be with any other guy. The problem was that I didn't want to be with any other girl anymore. I don't know when it happened, but suddenly, I was putting in even more effort when I took her out. Maybe it was when she punched me in the arm because I pointed out that her bowling shoes were bigger than mine. It could have been the way she really listened at the music festival. Maybe it was the way she elbowed those guys at the beach out of her way to win the game. I started dressing kind of the way I did when I was in high school, comfy sweaters and sneakers. I wanted to be comfortable with her. One day, I took her to see a movie, but she fell asleep on my shoulder. That's when I realized I was in danger. I moved harshly to wake her up. I didn't even walk her to her dorm that night. When I got home, I put all my normal clothes away and took out my brother's old stuff again. I ghosted Annika. I started going out with my friends again and texting other girls as a distraction, but I kept comparing every girl to her. One night I walked a girl back to her dorm and she grabbed me by the shirt and kissed me. I kissed her back, imagining she was Annika. Then I heard a (laughs) chuckle behind me and froze. I didn't notice the girl lived two doors down from Annika.
0: You don't change, do you?
2: She said, standing in front of her door. Wait, no, I I know it looks bad, but I don't like this girl, I said to Annika turning my back to the girl I was with. Annika didn't look like she cared, but I was desperate to apologize or explain. Then I felt someone push and slap me.
0: Say hi to the 12,000 people watching,
2: said the girl I had been with. She recorded me apologizing to Annika and then me getting slapped. Then she recorded Annika slamming the door in my face and me sulking as I walked back to my dorm. I was a laughing (laughs) stock. After that day, I couldn't leave my room without girls making fun of me. One group actually threw tomatoes at me. It was humiliating. Only my friends visited me, but they could all still go out and have fun. There was a soft knock on my door one night. I thought my friends came back early. I was surprised when I found Annika standing in front of me. She laughed at my messy appearance. She was holding a tub of ice cream and two spoons. She said I needed some fresh air, so we went to the terrace on the top of my building.
0: Wanna hear something funny?
2: Annika asked me. I nodded while shoving a spoonful of ice cream into my mouth.
0: I had a huge crush on you as a kid,
2: she said, and the ice cream almost fell out of my mouth.
0: But then I heard you say you hated me to your brother,
2: she continued. I was a dumb kid. I didn't mean to hurt you, and I had no idea. I began before she cut me off, shoving some ice cream in my mouth.
0: It's okay. I don't like you anymore,
2: she said. She might as well have stabbed me with her spoon. I turned away from her to hide the look on my face. I knew she could see right through me. Do you think you could ever like me again? I asked her.
0: Maybe, if you were more like yourself.
2: I think that might have been exactly what I wanted to hear. Because suddenly, I was holding Annika's face in my hands and kissing her. I was both surprised and relieved when she kissed me back before she pulled away.
0: You know, you're not as good at kissing as people say you are.
2: She said, going back to her ice cream. I (laughs) chuckled. I don't think any other girl would have said that to me. I finally asked Annika if she would go on a date with me. A real date when she doesn't flirt with other guys to get on my nerves. She gave me the most nonchalant sure. I had ever heard. But I could see her smiling from the corner of my eye. And she scooted closer to me.
1: My dad is a successful businessman who constantly got in trouble for mistreating his employees. One time, his secretary, who was pregnant, asked him if she could go home early because she wasn't feeling well. My dad responded, No, you have to finish your work first. But sir, I think I'm going into labor. Your water didn't break yet, or... So go back to work or else you are fired. Well, a few hours later, the poor woman ended up giving birth inside my dad's office. And instead of being helpful, my dad kept yelling at her to not make such a mess or else the carpet would be ruined. Yes, my dad was lacking in empathy, and when the local newspaper heard about the incident, they wrote a front-page newspaper article about it, publicly humiliating him and tarnishing his reputation. My dad could have simply apologized to his secretary that gave birth, but instead, he wanted to sue her for defamation because she had called him the most ruthless boss in the history of mankind, inside that news article. Fortunately, my dad's lawyers convinced him that suing a mother who had just given birth would only further damage his public image. Instead, they advised him to donate money to some charity. My dad reluctantly agreed and chose to open a high school for underprivileged kids. That's where I come into play. I somehow persuaded my dad to let me take over the planning and administration of his new school. He was happy to see me be so passionate about the project. He probably thought it would prepare me to take over his business one day. Well, big mistake. Because my first decision was to turn it into an all-girls school. And I didn't care one bit if the girls came from underprivileged backgrounds or not. I just wanted them to be pretty. And to get as many school applications as possible, I let the school make all kinds of ridiculous promises, like one teacher for every five students, and the offering of lots of sports activities like ballet classes and horse riding. LOL! I was way too lazy to hire a ballet teacher, and I certainly didn't buy any horses. But my marketing worked, and the school got over 2,000 applications. I went through all of them and checked every girl's Facebook account to see if they were pretty or not. Of course, I only chose the best looking ones. To give you an idea how picky I was, I only accepted 1 in 10 girls. Anyway, the year was about to start, and I realized that I had forgotten to hire teachers. I ended up finding some at the last minute, but they were really bad. They all had been kicked out of their previous schools for either always being on sick leave, straight up stealing, or in one case, bullying one of our own students. But hiring bad teachers turned out to be a brilliant move on my part, because none of them cared whether I was running the school well or not. They all just wanted to collect their paychecks. In fact, two of the ten teachers I hired only showed up for a single week afterward, they called in sick for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, I was 16 and put myself into 11th grade. The girls were surprised to have a boy in their class, but I told them I was only there for a few months to make sure my dad's school ran smoothly. Now, let me tell you something. Boys aren't the only ones whose hormones go crazy during puberty. Lots of girls were interested in me. No, let me correct myself. All girls were interested in me. I was the only guy around and got asked out on so many dates that I had to reject most girls. I simply didn't have the time to date them all. And a girl getting rejected by a guy only increases her desire for that man. That's why girls started promising me that I could do anything I wanted if I only went on a date with them. And while you probably think I was living the dream, I don't think that such an abundance of women was healthy for me. I had always looked up to my dad. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was also extremely hardworking and a high achiever. I wanted to be like him one day and not just end up as another spoiled rich kid. But ask yourself the following question. Would Bill Gates have had the discipline to build Microsoft if growing up he'd been surrounded by hundreds of pretty girls who all wanted him? Not a chance. And so instead of focusing on my study, I was fully busy with girls. I often skipped classes and took my classmates Kendall and Rose into empty classrooms to hang out and make out. I had a key to every classroom, after all. I pulled out a water bottle and said, Let's play Spin the Bottle. Can you believe that in 10 spins, it didn't point at me once? It was infuriating. But at least Kendall came home with me after school, so I won't complain. What shocked me the most about staying at an all-girls school was how mean the popular girls were. Our teachers paid no attention to bullying, and in my art class, some girls always drew their sketches on the backs of other girls. They had to hold still for at least an hour, and it was extremely degrading. I once asked one of the girls that got bullied why she let the popular girls treat her like that, and she replied, Because if I stand up for myself, they'll take me to the bathroom, take away my clothes, and make me walk home naked. I saw them do that to another girl. I felt sorry for her and invited her to my home. But once it got late, I told her, I want to sleep now. Please go home. Oh, but will we see each other again tomorrow? Um, no. So you don't want to be my boyfriend? I shook my head and she started crying. Oh my god, you took my V-card and you don't even want to date me? You stole it from me! At that point, I'd probably been intimate with a third of all girls at my school. Anyway, our school had no principal, which meant there was no supervision whatsoever and I could change anyone's grades on the report card. I only did that for myself and 8 other girls who were my closest friends. But when I showed my fake report card full of A's and B's to my dad and he told me how proud he was, I felt a bit ashamed. Instead of studying hard for school, I was cutting corners and abusing my power to get laid with girls. I knew if I continued like this, I'd end up like Paris Hilton, another dumb rich kid who does nothing other than spending her daddy's money. So, the following semester, I wanted to reinvent myself and decided to befriend Laura, who was the best student at our school. She was so diligent that she even read textbooks during recess. Hey, Laura, I said, want to study together with me for the next math exam? No, thank you. But teamwork is fun, isn't it? Teamwork? Why don't you first tell me how to locate the local maxima of a function? Of course, I didn't know the answer to her question, so she continued. Us two working together wouldn't be teamwork. It would be me tutoring you for free. No thank you. Well, okay. Then let me pay you to be my tutor. Fifty dollars an hour. Is that enough? Apparently, fifty dollars was a lot to Lara. She agreed and we met at my house. I was so used to girls being into me that I immediately made advances towards her. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it won't happen again. The study session went well, but during a break, Laura complained to me that her math teacher expected way too much and that it was impossible to get an A in her class. I replied, well, do you know my dad owns the school? I have enough power to change your grades any way you want. Really? Yeah. Last semester, I polished the report cards of a couple of my friends. Kendall, for example, got an F in her English exam, but thanks to me, ended up getting an A on her report card. I was telling her all that to impress her. However, she got really mad and said, I'm working my ass off day and night to study, and you give away A's to a bunch of undeserving brats you've slept with? I didn't know what to respond, and Lara stormed out. I had a bad feeling, but I had no idea just how bad things were about to get. Laura contacted both the local authorities and several newspapers to tell them how I was the only boy at my dad's all-girls school, how I had slept with dozens of girls, and how I had abused my power to give some of my favorite girls good grades in return for you-know-what. It turned into a huge scandal, and everyone blamed my dad for what I had done. He got so much negative press that the board of directors of his own company decided to fire him as the CEO. At first, my dad hated me for all the trouble I'd caused him. But now, without the job and without the stress that comes with being a CEO, he became a much more relaxed person and forgave me. He even said, I'm glad I no longer work 12 hours a day. I have all the money in the world, so why shouldn't I enjoy myself a little? Right now, my dad does nothing but play golf all day and have fun. And why not if it makes him happy?
3: Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either, so after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, Hi, Miss Elaine. I I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double-check. No, triple-check. Uh, are you sure? And and it'll be in my contract, right? (laughs) Of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, When can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I I I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, Thank you so much for this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit 7, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall, but then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. uh, Nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing, just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special, why my life was like a movie, like it was all fake. And then I realized, it is. My life is probably a movie, and that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company, and I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I i knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I... I wanted to know your every move. But I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault. But please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore, especially now that she's my girlfriend.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.